morning. It's two weeks in a row I've done that. I promise we don't plan that. You can, uh, I feel sorry for Josh and Tommy. I asked them to close the service and they just start to speak and I kind of take the mic away. Uh, so, but it's just sometimes, you know, you would grieve the Lord. You just, you want to worship. Amen. How are you all doing? It's good to see you all. Sorry, let me wipe some tears. All right, I'm going to launch right into this this morning. Um, firstly, just let me say that we postponed. There was a free at last uh, conference. I'm, am I okay? There was a free at last conference um, that was going to be this week. We've announced it many times. We will continue to announce it. My parents, uh, my father was going to lead it. Just about deliverance and warfare and prayer and so forth. But um, which we actually are very excited about. But it's been postponed to December 9th. And, uh, and some people are here, they even came from where? Uh, Chattanooga now. Chattanooga? Chicago. Well, far. They came from far. And so we bless them. I'm sure a bunch of you are going to gather together and pay for their flights back. You guys are so kind. That's <laughs> awesome. But um, they actually were doing ministry in California, and they got exposed to a whole bunch of people who had COVID. And so they're fine, but um, they came back, and just out of integrity, you would have to tell everybody that, you know, because people sit in different places there, and we just didn't want to impact uh, how, what they would do to the conference, so we just decided to postpone it. And that's just honest truth. Just rather tell the truth, right, and try and make up some story. So they, we postponed it, and, uh, and they are going to be doing that December 9th. So I'm looking very forward to that. All right, so we're going to launch into a series called Simple Devotion. Uh, last week we watched, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, I was going to say DVD, old school. We watched a video, thank you, of uh, Andrew Brunson, the gentleman who was arrested in Turkey and in prison for two years, and we just watched it as a church, and he talked about simple devotion. And he said that the love of God is what, what, what fuels endurance. And when he got arrested, he went into prison. He recognized that it was the simple devotion that he just didn't have in his life, even though he was in ministry. And many people are like that, even some in ministry. They will do the long fast. They will do the breakthrough. They will do this. But the simple day-to-day devotion. And it's, it's very much missing in the body of Christ. And, you know, there was a lot of how can I say, legalism that came many years back into many people's hearts. You must have, it was called a quiet time, a devotional time, whatever. And some people got so hammered that unfortunately the enemy jumped on that and people have in a sense largely gone away from just reading scripture and prayer. And when I first watched that, and that's why we played it, I knew the Lord spoke to my heart. And just to start a series, very small, very basic, on simple devotion. Just what it is to have basic, simple devotion to the Lord. And so I'm going to try to be as practical as I can. And, um, but how does one foster basic, simple devotion, a lifestyle of actually being a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, they say that millennials, often millennials, are so many are walking away from Christianity because they, they saw the belief that their parents had, but the lifestyle and the belief didn't match. And so they're saying, all right, so we'll take a little bit of this from that religion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, because they want a lifestyle. What do I do in the morning? What do I do? They, it's not giving, they need a lifestyle. And so we're going to talk about things like the word, worship in private, worship in corporate, 
the voice of the Lord carrying you across these basic things of Christianity, which we can never lose. We can never walk away from the cross, never. But today I want to talk about prayer. And so let's go to Psalm 27. Prayer is a subject that is extremely, extremely close to my heart. I don't actually preach about it much because sometimes I struggle, to be honest, just end up in tears. I just love prayer. So go to Psalm 27. We'll start there, then we'll start on prayer after that. But can we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We come to your word with open hearts. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can illuminate the word into our lives, into our hearts. I thank you, Lord for the people that are being healed, for the people that are being saved. And so, Lord, we come to you with our, with our heart to just say, teach us again devotion, simple devotion to the Lord from the heart. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. Sorry, I got some gum. I have to spit it out. All right. Psalm 27. Can we turn there? If you've got an actual Bible, I encourage you to turn there. I really do. And so we're going to read verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The NIV says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So there's imagery there and there's results. If you look at the imagery, the Lord is the stronghold. An imagery is an actual castle, a citadel, which was the core secured fortress inside a kingdom. Uh, the, the citadel, the, the, the strong point where there would be a battle raging on the outside maybe, and you would actually leave the battle and go into the stronghold, go into the citadel, go into the fortress, recuperate, rest, change armor, change shifts to whatever. The battle keeps going, but you have a place to run into. That's the, that's the imagery. To them that made sense, because they were actually physically doing that. And it's the simple devotion that actually builds a stronghold in the spirit in your life. So when crisis comes, people say, well, now we need to pray. And I don't mean this in a harsh way, but sometimes when crisis comes, we figure out what we need to do, but it's too late. It's like saying, the enemy has landed on our shore. We should, we should train some soldiers. It's too late. And so then they've got to reach out to the man, the woman of God, whoever it may be, and actually find some help, which is fine. The Bible says we cannot say we have no need of one another. That's part of God's design, one another, fellowship, community. But the imagery is running into a stronghold. And that is built through simple devotion, simple plodding, day by day, simple, basic things. The result, the NIV says it this way, I mean the New King James, the Lord is the strength of my life. That's the result, strength. Verse 2, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. They're an army in camp against me. This is how many people feel right now in the nation. They're an army come against me. That's how just I speak to people. I speak to people all week. And that's, in a sense, putting words to how many people feel. But there's a stronghold we can run into. His name is Jesus. It says, Through an army may, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Friends, I believe 
very strongly that the answer for America today, and it's obviously more than, more than America, it's more than a nation, it's the kingdom, but that's what so many are focused on. The answer for America today is not in the White House. It's not who's in the White House. It's actually God's house. And I really believe that. The world and the systems of the world have become too strong for immature God's people squabbling like the disciples did over who's the greatest. They need a united, divided church. United, not divided in the heart. United. Stand as one. Differences, but one. <laughs> for in the time of trouble, well, that's an interesting verse. Look at that. <laughs> for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. <laughs> and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face, that's his presence, from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. These two next verses for a long time were my favorite verse. I think I stole that from my dad. He used to read them to us as children. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means here on the earth. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The simple devotion to the Lord, the simple act of waiting on the Lord, the simple act of a daily devotion, I do largely find it missing. It's not an accusation. It's just missing. <laughs> and the world needs the church to remember who Jesus is and who God is. Because the Bible says we actually owe them. We owe them love. We owe them an encounter. We owe them to walk in freedom. So, let's talk about prayer. Go, if you will, go to Matthew chapter 6. Prayer is something of great value to me. I'm going to try to do this just telling you a little bit of my own journey. Leonard Ravenhill said, no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. I'll say that again. He said, no man and woman, no man or woman will ever be greater than their prayer life. And he came under a lot of scrutiny for that. You know, he said, I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how even miracles are. No man or woman is greater than their prayer life. 
And prayer, in its simplest form, is communication with God. And Jesus made it very easy to pray. It's easy to pray. Anyone can pray. A child can pray. It's easy. Some people have heard sermons on prayer that are so complicated. You know, there's 17,000 different types, and then you must stand like this. And it's so like, what? And people leave so confused, and you have to name this type of prayer, and you have to speak like this. Let me say this. I've seen so many people be taught to pray by a stream, a movement, a denomination, a group, a whatever, and that, that what they taught was meant to set them on a path and they get stuck in that box. And everything is, I decree and I declare. Everything is this and that. Everything is some statement, some phrase, everything. And all it does is reveal the relationship hasn't advanced. I don't speak to my wife the way I spoke to her when we got married or when we met. Because the relationship has grown. Hello. All earthly things, Leonard Ravenhill, all earthly things will fade away, even of earth. But prayer grasps eternity. Therefore, pray. I want to read you a little poem. There's a gentleman right now, Pastor John Sow. I don't know how to say the last name. I'm sorry. Cow or Sow. He's in prison right now in China. And he, he wrote this on prayer. And he sent out an actual, there's a book that you can buy on Amazon. And he's there now. And he said this, You can take away my freedom, but you can't take my prayers. My prayers have wings that leap over the towering iron mesh wall. They fly freely every day and reach heaven on blue sky. You can impose heavy punishments on me, but you cannot hold my spirit and my soul. Like a cheerful yellow bird that raises gentle praises over the iron gate, my Savior has heard my voice. So I don't necessarily want to give you a doctrinal, an outlined doctrinal teaching on prayer. I just want to speak from the heart, practical. I'm trying to be as practical and simple and as basic as I can be because it is that that builds a stronghold in your life, not a bad stronghold, a good one, a fortress, a tower, even a structure that you can run into. And I know that is the Lord, but it's, it's the basic and even Andrew Brunson last week, we said, he said uh, when they got arrested, him and his wife, his wife had this basic, simple life of devotion, and she was actually more prepared for her testing than he was. And so that's why we speak on it today. When I got saved, just to give you a little bit of my story, a longing started to build in me to know the Lord. This is why I don't preach on prayer. And there was one thing that became central was to know his voice in his presence. And I would just take hours and that sounds so spiritual, but it didn't feel like it at the time. I really didn't know what I was doing. And just his voice, his presence, his voice, his presence. I read the Bible and I saw from Genesis to Revelation, God communicates to people across every covenant, every place, every, everywhere. And just this cry in my heart, I must know the Lord. I must know his presence. I must know his voice. And so prayer became something very real in my life. And there are two decisions that I made. And I remember actually making them, thinking about it, mulling over it in my head, and then saying out loud, this is my decision. And they seem so basic. They seem so simple. But it has guarded me and it has kept me. The first was I made a decision that the Bible is the inherent 
holy scripture, the word of God. And it is faultless, and then I will bend my life around it. That sounds simple. But when you're being thrown all the time, you read something, and you know, what did that, it can't mean this. It must mean people bend scripture all the time. And I just made a simple decision. This is God's word. Every part, every jot, every tittle, it's God's word. And I will build my life around it. When you make that decision, many decisions follow that. The second one seems so silly. And I don't even know if I've ever talked about it. But it seems so silly. But it was soon after I got saved, I remember saying, Lord, from today, whenever I spend time with you, I make a decision. It's never a waste of time. And I don't know why, but that marked my life. Because I would get told by so many people, stop praying, do something. And I understand there's a place for that. Pray, stop, do, do something. You've got to do something. You've got to just act. Stop praying. Stop. But I made this decision. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord. Sometimes I'm not even going to know what I'm doing. But however much time that takes, whether it's daily, weekly, whatever, that's never going to be a waste of time. And that's, it sounds silly. It really does. But let me tell you, that has guarded me and kept me. And how many times I've said it again, after sometimes hours, there's no answer, there's no breakthrough. And stand up and say, God, that wasn't a waste because I was with you. I'm seeking your face. And that was just by the grace of God. I thank the Lord often that I'm, I just made that decision. Obviously now I know in hindsight I was the Lord speaking to me and helping me. And David Wilkerson, in I think it was 2010, at the age of 79, stood up to preach his last, he said, this is my last public sermon. And he stood up to preach in New York, the last public sermon, and the way he chose to do this, because they asked him, was he called all young preachers? Thousands of them. He wanted us to preach to young pastors, young preachers. And essentially his sermon was this, if you do not give your life to prayer, please step out of the ministry and do not preach. He asked them not to be preachers if they did not know how to pray. And so this became very central in my heart, very important to me. And very quickly I realized a whole bunch of things because I set my heart, I'm going to become a man of prayer. And then I learned some things. First thing is hard. It's very easy to pray, but when you actually go and just use, okay, Lord, thank you, blah, blah, blah. Like, now, now what? I'm just being basic. Hello? Is, am I the only one? And you pray, you know, you give out all your complaints, I mean prayers. <laughs> and all your, you know, everyone you don't like and you tell the Lord or whatever. And, you know, whatever. And then you're like, now, now what? And I learned very quickly that, that it was actually, wasn't what I thought. And I also learned that it's very, it's not natural. Nothing in the flesh, nothing in the old man, nothing, not a single part of me in the flesh desires to do something that in a sense to many in the world makes no sense. So there's nothing of the flesh that will drive me to pray. Zero. Zero. <laughs> and so I learned that very quickly. I also learned that my prayers revolved around me, most of them, all around about me. Now, that's okay. In hindsight, that's okay because when you're a child, when you're a babe in the Lord, what, do you, what does a child think about themselves constantly, even in the mouth? Me, mine, my, I, I, I've got children. I know. So that's okay. But 
you want to grow out of that. But these two things, and I want to talk to them a little bit, then we're going to go to Matthew 6. I realized very quickly when I actually started to pray and try to have some daily prayer, sometimes long, sometimes short, we'll get into that. When I started to pray, I realized very quickly that I was not shored up in truth. Because when I would close my eyes or pray with my eyes open, whatever, when I'd start to pray, all of a sudden, my mind would become like a plaything of the enemy. The thoughts, the distractions, the, I mean, everything you can think of that would come up. And I didn't know what's my voice, what's my thoughts, what's God's voice, what's the enemy's voice, what is a distraction, what is this, what, and I became so preoccupied and I just, I realized something, because people have actually asked me, how do you get revelation like you do out of the word? The truth is, I never really set my heart to the word. I, I did, obviously, a little while after that. But what started, what drove me to the word, is prayer. Because all these things would come up in my life, and it, it suddenly made me realize, early, early on, I don't know, I don't have enough truth in me. So I can't answer all the questions that are actually stopping prayer. So I started to search the word. And devour the word. Not to preach not even to learn it, to understand him, to know him, to know, to know what he sounds like, to know what his voice is like, to, to, to know that is not going to be the Lord because it's not in here. That it actually, I searched this to learn how to pray because I wanted to know him. Desperately want to know him. And over the time, that battle began to stop. Because you become shored up in truth and you can say, quiet, it's written. And you can say, that's not the Lord. Sometimes it's actually, I used to fight, don't be distracted. And I realized, like I would start to pray and all the people that I didn't get back to, and I'm, I'm not good at that. So, you know, all the texts or back then email or whatever, and they would come up in my mind. I'd be like, I'm this evil, wicked little servant. I'm so distracted, you know. And I learned over time, no, it's the Lord saying, hey. Get back to those people. <laughs> you know, I couldn't decipher. I was just thrown all over. All over. And there really, really was this invasion in my mind. And pr more prayer didn't take care of that. This takes care of that. Nothing else but this. And it drove me here. It really did. It drove me here. Insecurities. <laughs> Struggling to discern in prayer. And so it drove me here. Drove me here. The second thing, well, the last thing that I really learned was that I actually didn't know how to pray. So I, I, I gathered some, I went to the elders at the church I was in in South Africa, and I went to some people that I respect and know, and I asked them, can you teach me how to pray? And they would all give me some, oh, it's easy to pray, just pray, you know, sit down, thank the Lord, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and courts of they give me all the things. So I said, that's, that's great, I do that. I, I'm talking a little bit deeper, like, I want to know him, how do I pray? And I would, in a sense, press them a little bit. Not really, you know, baby Christian, got my pampers on, you know, I want to pray. You know, and, and the truth is, most of them, when I press them, and God bless them, because they're wonderful, wonderful people, most of them, like, except for one, said to me, well, 
the truth is I struggle with prayer. I'm more drawn to the word. I don't, I just, I struggle with prayer. Across the board, that was the answer I got. But I phoned my dad and he helped me. Prayer. Then I thought, well, I, I, then I read Romans 8. So wonderful. Romans 8, 26. We do not know how we ought to pray. That's what it says. And it hit me in my heart. There are things about prayer that I cannot learn from man. So just start. Because there are things in prayer that you cannot learn from another human being. So don't wait to learn them. Just start praying. (laughs) All right, I was going to go over some, let me quickly touch on this, very quickly. Common prayer preventers. (laughs) It's not lack of discipline and lack of time. That's what everyone thinks. I don't have the time, I don't have the time. I just don't have the discipline. Those are actually never the issue. It's misunderstandings, hurt, bitterness, offense, disappointments. That's what stops prayer. More than anything else. Because they've prayed, nothing happened. Or they hurt with this person. And the Bible says when you go to the altar and they present your gift and they remember that you have an issue over here with this person, go over there, sort it out. They don't want, they'd rather hang on to it than actually pray. Because you'll come to the altar and it'll be like, hey, 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 hey. You know, and there's me as a baby Christian. That's a distraction. God's like, no. Phone that person. Say sorry. You're like, well, I don't want to say sorry. So you stop praying. Is this real enough for you guys? Major, major common, very common prayer preventers is those issues in the heart. Secondly, who you think God is. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Who you think God is will determine how you pray. Really. And there's a whole sermon just in that. Is he a father? Is he a tyrant? Is he interested in you? Does he see you? Does he hear you? Then also, who you think God or how you think God thinks about you. Major, major stumbling block for people. What is God's perspective of you? What are his his thoughts about you? That will determine how you pray. And it all comes out of here. And of course the gospel, the truth of the gospel. So, let's go to Matthew 6. I'm in Mark 6. It's not helpful. Matthew 6, the Lord, the Master, He gave us This is only three verses. These three verses, I cannot tell you, they have penetrated and pierced my life and my heart more than most. Over the years, I've gone back to them over and over. I'm going to talk about, I look at Matthew 6 as the simple daily devotion, simple prayer, basic, simple devotion. So let's read. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, don't you love how Jesus speaks? Man, but you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. 
For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For, their fa- for your father knows the things you have need of. Can you say need? need? Need. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Those three verses will change your world if you give your life to them. Really, I, I really mean that. Number one, let's talk basic, practical, simple. I want to pray. I want to learn to pray. Number one, go into your room. That's what he said. Make a conscious decision. There's nothing of the flesh that will draw you to prayer. Make a conscious decision to go somewhere for the purpose of prayer. Make a decision. I am going to go over there and pray. Literally that simple. Make a conscious decision. That's what the master said. It's that simple. Take your tools with you. What are the tools of prayer? Obviously take a Bible. Take a pen. Take a notepad. Because when the thoughts come, that's fine. That's great. When all the distraction and the thought, all you do is write it down and you put it down. You write it down, you put it down. You write it down, you put it down. You write it down, you put it down. And get on with prayer. So to get it out of your mind. Sometimes five minutes just getting stuff out. And then when he starts to speak to you, and he will speak to you, you think, I'll remember. You won't. I'm telling you, you won't. And it moves your heart and turns you inside out and upside down. And you want to shout it from the heavens. And the next Tuesday, you're like, what was that thing? What was that thing? It's really that simple. Write it down. Take a pen. Take a pencil. Take a notepad. Take music. Take a scripture. Take the Bible. Some people, I encourage you, if you need to put music on, I pray mostly with, with, with music because sometimes I get kind of loud and Cynthia in the office, so I play my music so loud and, you know, I can shout and scream and do what I want. Some people need silence. Everyone's different. But I do know that when they said to Elisha, prophesy, he said, bring me a musician. There's something about worship that'll draw your heart. It'll draw your heart. Secondly, what did he say? Go into your room. Secondly, this is really this simple. When you have shut the door. (laughs) In other words, be inaccessible to other people. Oh, this is a big one. Especially with moms. I need a number. Obviously, if you're at home alone with kids, I, I understand that. But for thousands of years, people prayed before the iPhone. Before the internet. Honestly, please hear my heart. Do not take your phone in there with you. You take that thing in, you take your, the whole world goes with you. If you need it for music, put it on airplane mode. Shut that thing down. He said, go to a place, make a decision. When you get there, make sure you are inaccessible to everybody else. If I, the late Billy Graham, Reverend Graham, one of my heroes, if I was in a meeting with Reverend Graham, Billy Graham, I would make sure that everyone knows not to interrupt me. How much more? The Father of Heavenly Lights. Tell you, this thing, is he first? 
I've been sometimes even rude and I had to go and apologize. People come in when I'm, get out. Really? Because you come in here now, you're going to grieve the spirit. There's a being here for a long time. There's something happening of the spirit. Get out. Get out. I'm with the Lord now. That's important. Sorry. Third, so simple. Shut the door. Third, pray to your father who is in secret. This may seem so simple. Friends, pray out loud. Don't pray in here. Speak. Why? Uh, there's a thousand things, the whole sermon on that. Confession and Christianity, and I believe therefore I spoke. That's great. Why? Jesus told you to do that. And that's how Jesus prayed. Pray out loud. If it makes you feel awkward, that's great. You're having victory over insecurities. It's going to stop your prayer anyway. Pray out loud. Really, pray out loud. People say, where do I start? Well, pray to your father. The interaction, the first place you start, knowing that this is a family interaction. Know he's your father. You're going to your father. Know that in your heart. You don't run away from God to get better to come to him in prayer. You go to him. He's your dad. You go to him. I find I start with worship. That's me. I'll just start to worship. Even if there's no music, worship is just about him. El Shaddai. Sometimes I make sure the first thing out of my mouth is something about the Lord. El Shaddai. Sometimes I've said that just 20 minutes. El Shaddai. Adonai. Begin thinking Jesus if you have to. Don't worry about all the formulas and enter like this, then do this. Begin thanking Jesus. If your condition is the issue, like you're just in a bad place, then thank Jesus for your position. I thank you that I'm righteous in your sight. I thank you that I'm covered in the blood. I thank you that I can come boldly because you've consecrated even the way to you. I thank you that you want to hear my voice and I need to hear you, Lord. Thank him. Start praying in the spirit, if you can pray in tongues. Start reading a psalm, read a scripture, worship. Just start. Some of you musicians, take an instrument, but eventually get away from all that stuff and actually pray. Pray and pray and pray. Very simple. Number four, what did the master say? Your father who sees in secret shall reward you in the open. He sees in secret. Think about when you're praying, not like, oh, God's watching me. No, no, no. He hears you. You know how many times when I'm struggling in prayer, I just say literally, and sometimes I do it in meetings just for people's sake. I'll say, Lord, I thank you that right now, and it's true, right now as I'm saying it, you can hear my voice. Because it puts belief in the heart. It changes something in the heart. And I thank you that you can hear me. Now you can hear me. I know you can hear me. Because I've already made a decision that this is true. And this says, you can hear me. It says he will reward you in the open. You know that word open is phanaros. It's the same word about the manifestation of the spirit. Phanarosis, manifestation, means he will reward you in the open. Meaning what you're praying for, he will make manifest. Obviously, if it's in line. 
which we won't go into now. I will say this with this one, number four. Your father who sees in secret, he's hearing your voice. I mean, sometimes I have to catch myself. Stop, don't be stupid. Like, you just start talking, like you're praying, and then your mind's distracted, so you just say, you just kind of just pray, but you're not really focused on what you're saying. There's no conviction, and I'm like, hey, hey. It's just like the mind and the words. And I'm like, no, he hears, he's hearing me. It's like, you know when you, when you have a young child and they're sitting at the dinner table and they don't stop talking? You know, eventually you're like, I don't know really what you're saying at all. Don't do that. Pour your heart out, but just let it be your actual heart. I'm hoping this is helpful. So simple. It's simple to understand. Do it. Do it. Number five. He says, you, when you pray. Big key. When. When you pray. In other words, don't wait. Just start. Just start. Just start. Sometimes you get in prayer. There's a million things that will come up. Millions of things, phone calls, emails, this, that, the dog, the baby's crying, fell off the bed. Obviously, sort that out. (laughs) But there's so many things that'll come up just to stop a believer praying. So many things. And when you get there, then you're like, okay, you know, I'm just being real. And then there's a computer screen in front of you. You're like, click, click, click. uh, Just start. Just start. Literally, get in there, close your eyes. Father, just start. Don't wait, start. And that is a major key. Any intercessor knows what I'm talking about. Just start. People say, what about routine? What about a devotional time? What about routine? Listen, that's great. Proverbs eight seventeen actually says this. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. That word early is talking about dawn. But David said, seven times a day I praise you. Three times a day I pray. So people say, well, listen, setting a time is extremely important and it's helpful and it's good. (laughs) But you won't follow it. Some are these amazing disciplined people. That's awesome. I wish I was like you. That's why I learned just start. I'm not being graphic. If you're in the bathroom, if you're in the shower, if you're in your car, and you had this plan that didn't, don't beat yourself, I didn't and I'm useless, and that's the enemy. Shut that stuff off and just start. Just start. Some people really don't know how to even begin to pray. I've had seasons, and I encourage you, sometimes the very... First thing to do when you wake up in the morning, what comes out of your mouth, the first words you speak are important. (laughs) If you don't know how to pray, like really you're struggling, and that's okay. You'll be amazed how many people come to me with that. Take a psalm. Go through the psalm. Suddenly you will find your heart and your voice in the psalm. Write something. I, I, I say this, at the moment, this is one of my morning, some, I try to do it as soon as my feet hit the ground, otherwise in the shower, in the, soon, soon as I can, if I don't have a long time, and often I don't in the morning, as many of you, I'll say this, God Most High, 
You're my peace. You're my shield. And you are put my trust. This is just something I wrote. Strengthen my hands. Encourage my heart. I am yours. I yield to you. May today be not my words, but your words. Not my will, but your will. Make me aware of your voice. Open my ears. Greater are you in me than he that is in the world. I will not be afraid. El Shaddai, nothing is impossible without you. Adonai be praised. Just something. But start. Just start. If you have to start with reading something, read something. I think I've, I've made the point. Simple devotion from the heart. Number six. The next point concerns two things that the Lord said not to do. And we could focus on these. I tell you, these are so simple. Be real and be genuine. Be real. Be genuine. You know how many times people come to me and say, you know, can you ask the Lord, or when I'm praying, I'm struggling with this, and I'm like, okay, what you're going to ask me, ask him. I tell you the amount of times I've said that. Ask him, Lord, I don't love you like I should. Give me a love for you. Give me a love for you. Give me a love for you. People come and say, how do I love the Lord more? Ask him. Ask him. James 5, such a key scripture. James 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, Matthew 6, Luke 11. Those four chapters in prayer have revolutionized my world. James 5 says, if anyone is afflicted, meaning hardship or trouble, if anyone is afflicted, he should pray. How much counseling that would stop? For real. Be real and genuine. He says these two things. Don't do this. You shall not be like the hypocrites. And he talks about selfish motives. And do not use vain repetition as the heathens do. Number one, you shall not be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't use prayer to do something to advance your flesh. They took a spiritual act of prayer and used it to to feed the old man, the flesh nature. Look at us, how important. He said, that's not going to help. What does that guarantee? It's a scary thing. What does it guarantee? He says, I tell you, they've received their reward in full, which is what? The esteem and the prestige of man. They will actually get that. They will get what they want. But what won't they get? What they're praying for. (laughs) Jesus said, don't do that. Careful, that's a trap. Second thing he said, don't do. Don't use vain repetition, as the heathens do. This thing, it may seem silly to you, some of this, but when you say, Lord, I want to learn to pray, I want to... These little things, the enemy can jump on. And he jumped on this little thing for years in my life. Years. Because I would go to God in prayer, and when you're in that deep place of prayer, it's not just a daily prayer. Now you're in hours or half an hour or 40 minutes or however long. I don't want to sound over-spiritual. Sometimes it is hours. Jesus expected teenagers, the disciples, can you not pray one hour with me? And you in prayer and you feel your heart drawn to say sometimes the same thing. I'm being real practical. Like God, God, or breakthrough, break, whatever. But then this verse would come up in my heart. Don't use vain repetition. And I would struggle. That may seem silly to you. But in my heart, I was like, I shouldn't do that. But I felt drawn to do that. And so obviously you have to study, and now what does it mean? And Well, he's talking about like seances. He's talking about getting into a trance-like state, as the heathens do with pagan prayer. 
The, the vines says it this way. I think I have it somewhere. Do not be saying batalatha, which is the word idle things, meaningless, mechanically repeated phrases. <laughs> and he says, don't just get into the place of just, it's, you're not earning something. He says, why? Because your father knows what you have need of. He talks about your father. Which son or daughter comes to the father and says, I need a coat for winter. I don't have a coat. Or I need a this or I need a that. It's a need. It's not this great want. I, I, have, I don't have shoes or whatever, right? But now we expect a little song and a dance and 20 times to ask and convulsions and whatever and then maybe. Some people pray like that. That's what God's saying. That's what the Lord's saying here. Those heathens would go into these body things and, you know, over and over and over. It's almost, it reveals something. You don't know that your father desires to give you what you need. Does this make sense? And that seems so opposite to the next thing I'm going to talk about. But I learned that this is about need. That's why I made you say the word need. When it comes to your need, you don't have to go, oh God, 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 just, he's your father. Lord, we really need this. Thank you and I bless you. That's it. From the heart. <laughs> I'll tell you what helped me with this. I'm going to go a little over time. You guys okay? What helped me with this greatly was when I would struggle with this and then I asked the Lord, Lord, this thing, this stupid little vain repetition verse, it's become a bigger thing than it should have. This is years ago. I'm like, help me. Because ask him, right? Within a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, revelation. I read about Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. You go look at the Mark and the Matthew version of those stories and you put them together. You know what it literally says? It says he went the first time and he prayed. Then he went back and his apples were sleeping, you know? And then it says he went back the second time and it says he said the same words. It says that. He said the same words. That's exactly what it says. Then he went back, disciples were sleeping, came back a third time, it says, and he said the same words. And that set me free. Actually changed the way I prayed. Now we're talking about persisting in prayer. And those of you who have travailed in prayer, you know that place. And I can tell you stories. We're just one phrase, just God, God, whatever. One phrase that God puts on your heart. Sometimes you just sit there and you just cry out. It's almost like all you can say. Can we do Luke 11 real quick? You guys good for Luke 11? I guess you don't have a choice. I don't want this to, sometimes I know preachers need to know when to stop. But I just believe I need to quickly go through this as fast as I can. Luke 11 is the last point, number seven. If needs be, persist. Persist. And it seems so different to don't use vain repetition. It seems opposite. Let's read it real quick. Now it came to pass, verse one, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. They didn't say teach us how to preach, teach us how to do miracles, teach us how to grow a church. They saw him pray. 
different than any Jewish man had ever prayed before. There was a relationship there. He knew God there. They said, oh, Master, that you would teach us how to pray like that. Because they knew everything else that happens starts there. So he said, Jesus said, when you pray, and then he said the Lord's Prayer. I'm not skipping over it because it's bad. It's actually not the Lord's Prayer because there's a confession of sin. Hello? It's the disciples' prayer. Go to verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey. So there's three people. I'm here. A friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I don't have what he needs. So I go to my other friend. That's three people. A friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I, will have nothing to, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, from within the house and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Because the bread was round, it, it looked just the same. He's talking about, will he give you something that looks like it, but it's not? There was a fish that looked just like a snake there. There was a scorpion that was actually colored similar to an egg. It would, it would curl up and look like an egg on the outside in that part of the world in, those, in that time. He says, if you give him a stone, if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent instead of a fish. If he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, meaning with a sinful nature, if you then, being human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. This is not necessarily about needs here. This is about breakthrough. This is about change. This is about status quo. This is about a healing. This is about a person's life. This is persistent prayer. There's a crisis. We need to deal with this. And only the Holy Spirit, man has no more answers here. God, what do I do? This is different prayer. Firstly, note this. He says, coming to a friend. This person knows the Lord. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing, does not know his master's business. I've chosen to call you friends. The implication is a friend knows what's in the master's heart. John 15. This is a person, they come to the Lord I tell you, I, I've been there so many times. A person comes to me, I have cancer. A person comes to me, uh, whatever, the extreme. No doctors, no person, no, no one can help me. There's a group of people coming tonight. They're expecting God to move. They, people come from all over. We people expect, and you feel that. And you go to the Lord. I tell you how many times. You go to the Lord and you say, Lord, these people have come. This person has come and I feel like I have nothing to give them. I have nothing to put before them. So you go to the master. And you go again. And you go again. And you go again. Because this type of prayer has to do with the Holy Spirit. And then there's this strange verse, and I, 
I had to wrestle through this for a number of years, but then God showed me and it just helped me. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. It seems the opposite of Matthew 6. Yet because of his persistence, that word means shamelessness. <laughs> He's shamelessly asking. Shameless audacity. Ask. Because of his persistent shamelessness, he will eventually get up in a sense. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. But it says, I will not rise and give to you because he's my friend. And that, I said, Lord, what is that? Makes him sound cruel. And I, the Lord spoke to me one day and set me free. He said, son, what that means is that when you're coming to me, when you're persisting in prayer, I have nothing to lay before them. I, I don't carry an answer here, Lord. What do I do? He said, there's sometimes a delay. There's sometimes, whatever the issue, sometimes no answer, sometimes a delay, sometimes the incredible travail in prayer. And he's knocking, you come and you come. And he's saying, son, the reason it doesn't come quicker has nothing to do with you and me. That's what it means. I'm not rising to give to you because of my friend. This, 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 ow, you and me, we're good. But this is something above your pay grade. This is demonic forces. This is something in the spirit. This is something that you don't understand. This is, don't worry about the delay. Don't try to figure it out. I'm not delaying you. You know my will. You know my heart. You know me. I'm your friend. This has got nothing to do with you and me. But come again. And you cry out. And you cry out. And you cry out. Until you become an answer. That's persistent prayer. I could tell you some stories. But you shamelessly go to him. Again and again and again and again and again. You travail in prayer. I tell you what, the reward is you get to know him. I've learned one thing, persisting in prayer changes me, not him. He changes not. That changes me. And all the, you know, the stuff will come up in your mind. You're twisting God's arm. You're doing this in the flesh. You put it away and put it away and put it away and put it away and keep praying. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Do I have time for a story? I may have told this, I don't know, I've told a bunch of these stories, but the stories help because they're real and they give you faith. We were at a retreat somewhere, I was getting a minister, and I could sense that God wanted to move, but I could sense there was just struggles, and the morning was so terrible. Honestly, I preached the worst I've ever preached. It was just awful. And, um, you know, just no one really wanted to be there. You know, when you can tell, it's a lemon, like, let's just go home. And, um, and so I... You know, every time we would do these retreats and stuff, I would go away, and from three to seven, I would shut myself away. And I looked like a strange person. I would carry my little computer speakers with the wires hanging down and my, you know, my Bible and my little notepad, and if I'd go find a room somewhere, blast the music and stand there for hours and hours, and I started to pray and cry out to God and cry out to God, and, and nothing, I mean nothing. It was just like a concrete block. Who knows that feeling? And I'm like, God, I'm not leaving and so you just pray and pray and you shift you go from kneeling to to lying to begging you're realizing that's not the heart of God and then to re, you know you just go through stuff and within a half an hour my glands I felt so sick and I wanted to throw up and my glands swelled up literally you could see them they swelled up like this and 
thinking, oh, no, I'm sick. So I phoned, you know, Jen took my off airplane mode, please bring me some Advil. And she brings me on the way there, because it was like a big retreat center. She's coming from far. It's like the Lord said to me, what are you doing? There's nothing wrong with that, but this is in a deep place of warfare. So what are you doing? This is not real. And I started to cry. By the time she got there, half an hour later, I mean, I was, things went down. I was 100% fine. And, I, and you just you fight battle and battle and battle and battle. And all of a sudden, it's like God just wah, invaded. And then I'm like, I've got 30 minutes left before the meeting. I'm like, and I know it's now done in the spirit. It's done. What God wants to do is going to happen. So I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> you don't want to leave that place because it, it'll t- tear you from that place and you've got to go. And he, you know, that time was just for me and him. And it's like, he's just, you, it's so clear. So my wife came, they were going to start the meeting. She came, true story. She came to open the door to tell me they're going to start. As she opened the door, she fell onto her knees and cried out, what's happening in here? Began to weep. Literally, it was funny, like, pushed herself on her knees and shut the door. <laughs> but you learn something in those times, friends. What it means to say, I'm going to be a man of prayer. <laughs> to make sure that God gets glory and that his will is done. I came out of the room that night to preach. And I went up and the kids just started falling out of their chairs. That was the beginning of the end, in a sense. And five hours later. So that just became my practice, to do that. <laughs> and then you know the flesh gets involved. The next time we do it, we try to do it exactly the same as the last time, because it worked. <laughs> and that meeting, nothing happens, you know. And you learn, and you learn, and you grow, and you learn. But you learn him, and you know him. It was said of Charles Spurgeon that his leaders would have to sometimes carry him from the room behind the service before he would preach on a Sunday as he was weeping, trembling before God in prayer. They would have to carry him. Sometimes his feet would be in the fetal position and put him in a chair so he could preach because of prayer. I have to end. There are many of us who are longing for a new walk with the Lord. I'll encourage you. It starts with a simple devotion. God, I'm going to learn to pray. If it's three minutes, it's better than no minutes. Just a decision. Lord, I'm going to learn to pray. Lord, I want to learn to pray. And start with those simple things. Go to your room. Shut the door. Shut everything else out. Just begin to pray. And your life will be marked by the Holy Spirit. It is his desire. Can we stand? Thank you for your grace. I know I went long. Take it up in prayer. (laughs) 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 Uh, God has a sense of humor. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Father, we come to you and we bless you. We love you. We thank you. God, open our hearts. There are no experts in prayer. I, I, I mean that. Lord, if this has been anything about me, strip that out of people's minds. We choose to remain a novice. I feel like I'm just learning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you've made a way for us to have access to the Father. And we thank you for that. Lord, may your people be blessed. Stir our hearts to fire and to burn. For Jesus. Amen. Amen. That was good. Okay. Uh, reminder, if you want prayer for anything, we're going to be up over he here. And uh, it's late, so please go get your kids. Thank you. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. Speaking of connection, one of the best ways to stay informed about what's happening here at Free Life is by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Scan the QR code or text Free Life to 41400 to sign up. Did you know that you can vote on Sunday? Election Day is coming soon on November 2nd. However, today, you can vote early right across the street. If you have yet to vote, head over after the service. The Early Voting Center for Loudoun County Residents is open today from 12 to 5 p.m. Attention senior youth, plan to meet up this Friday, October 29th at the home of Kevin and Denise Fry for a great time of fun, fellowship, and fire. Check out the website for details. Ladies, plan to be here Saturday, November 6th to hear from Cheryl Price. Cheryl is an apostolic and prophetic leader who will share what the Lord has laid on her heart. Prepare for a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Visit our events page to sign up for this special women's gathering. Did you know that we have a prayer team that prays weekly for you? If you have a prayer request, scan the code here to complete the online form or fill out a connection card. We would love to pray for you. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.